Hi, Andrew, and welcome to Starting Remote. I'm really happy to be hosting you. Hi, Julia. Um, yeah, it's wonderful to be here. Um, we're a fair way away from each other, so this is a truly remote podcast by the feel of it. Yeah, it is What's a truly time remote over there? one. It's nine in the morning. Yeah, it's, uh, it's dinner time over here, so yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. fun. I, I think uh, I'm having coffee. You should be having wine. <laughs> yeah, I should be having wine. I, I didn't plan that particularly well, but next time. Exactly. <laughs> next time we do it, we uh, maybe we can do it at a time where we can both share some wine. Maybe a Friday well, or I mean, Saturday uh, and I can start. Bloody Mary uh, for you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Andrew, for everyone to get to know you better, would you be okay to introduce yourself and what you do? Yeah, sure. So Andrew Blaine, um, I'm an Australian from a little town called Woodend, which is just out of Melbourne. Um, so a regional town up in the mountains. Uh, but I, as of 2019, I was commuting into the city three days a week and doing one day a week interstate. Uh, so, so flying one day a week. I am one of the founders of a company called Elaborate which is, well, we like to think that we're Australia's leading lean agile consultancy. Um, but as of February, I'm the founder of the Remote Agility Framework, or as we like to call it, Remote AF, uh, which is the world's first framework for effective remote working. Um, it's built on agile principles and probably three or four decades of experience working with distributed and uh, semi-remote and remote teams. That's what I wanted to ask. What's your experience in working yourself remote and working with distributed and remote companies? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, my background, I, I started my career in uh, in technology, would have been late 90s. Um, my first role was with a very small company and I worked out of a home office uh, with, a, um, with a, only two or three people. Uh, I then went over to the UK and I worked in digital in an office um, with a fully co-located team. I came back to Australia and I did a range of uh, kind of medium and large programs of work. So programs of up to sort of $4 billion Australian dollars in value, big banking transformations and uh, telco transformations with largely distributed teams. Um, so you had teams over in uh in India and teams in uh, China and other other parts of the world. Um, and then uh, in 2009, I started the consultancy. Um, we worked out of Melbourne, but we've got offices in Canberra, Sydney, Brisbane. Um, we've serviced clients on site. We've serviced clients with kind of those always on uh, half and half teams where you've got one team in one office and one team in the other office and you've got a, a screen that sits at the end of the desk so you can always talk to the people on the other side. Um, we've done programs that have been distributed across four or five continents and distributed uh, in, in distributed agile and uh, delivered some pretty amazing outcomes with those. So, yeah, and that's just me. There's five or six co-authors of the framework um, and they all have a, a mix of kind of on-site distributed remote team experience. Wonderful. I'm looking Obviously. forward to hearing more about uh, this as it is the first uh, in the world, right? 
Yeah, we haven't found another one, so that's pretty cool. I, I <laughs> did think there might be another one out there, but um, yeah, haven't seen it yet. Yeah, maybe we can look for it uh, together at some point and uh, have them on the podcast as well and uh, discuss awesome. uh, the both, right? <laughs> yeah. But tell me a bit, what motivated you to, to start this? What, uh, what drove you to start Remote um, Agility Framework? Yeah, sure. Look, um, there's, there's probably two primary reasons. The first is I was running a consultancy with 100-odd people. Uh, I was looking at the numbers coming out of Wuhan in January, um, and I was kind of – I've got a few uh, connections who work in China in, in different cities, um, and I was hearing about their experiences with – the virus um, and from a strategic perspective for, for the consultancy that I run, COVID obviously presented a pretty significant threat that we had to act on. Um, so we've, we've had a couple of plays that we've, we've run with from about February this year. One was building this framework, which we think is timely and necessary. Uh, the second one is building a, uh, a, a software platform called Flowmatica, which we think will not it will nicely uh, blend with what we're doing with remote AF. It's it's all about flow based metrics for uh, for delivery teams. Um, but the second and probably the more important piece for me is that I've been trying to wrap sustainability into what I do at work for quite some time, and I I, I was trying to find a way that I could scale out impact. Um, when I started to, look, I've, I've always had an interest in remote working, being someone who works out in uh, regional Victoria and I've got a three-hour commute. Um, so I had a little hub that I go to down the road and sometimes work from home. But uh, when I've read about remote working and the environmental benefits, I've, I've been pretty excited in the past. And I kind of think that this is a point where you've got all this financial capital and you've also got all this intellectual capital that's uh, that's being aimed at solving the problem of remote working. So whether that's better digital tooling, or whether that's uh, whether that's the tiger teams or the mission teams that have been set up in organisations with really smart people trying to tack the, tackle the problem in their workplace, or whether it's people doing remote learning with their students, or whether it's um, people in aged care facilities trying to teach older people how to use Skype or FaceTime so that they can communicate with their families while they're pretty restricted in terms of who they can see. There's all this capital that is being thrown at the problem and the beauty of that is that it's shifted us from kind of an early adopter remote working into a mainstream remote working reality and that's not going to push back, right? So this is this is a new or next normal or whatever whatever you want to call it, the world has changed. It's not going to go back to being, no, no one's going to go back to fully on site. There's too many financial benefits for organisations. There's too many uh, social and environmental benefits for people. And I just don't think you'll get the best talent now if you're not offering some sort of hybrid or, or, or remote solution for people. Oh, for, uh, for sure. While being face-to-face -face is still easier because we are not so used to working remote, I think that bringing solutions that bridge the gap is definitely the way to go, right? For, yeah, for, from, yeah, go ahead. But we are, we are getting used to it, right? Like I, This feels like riding a bike now. 
Um, I, I, maybe it's easier for us who have worked remotely in the past or from for, for from co-working spaces, because I do have friends who really miss going to work. They really loved the commute because it gave them head time. And right now they feel like they are in a hamster wheel. Um, because the companies they work for, uh, they, they just love meetings and they are on Zoom or on Cisco or whatever, whatever the tool is, uh, 24 seven. Some of them really need to show their face because otherwise they are not being seen by headquarters. So, so some are really burnt out and they're really missing the commute. But what they would do, even those people, they wouldn't go fully remote. They would go hybrid. They would like to have the choice. Yeah. Yeah. And look, that's. What you've talked about there is precisely why we've built this framework. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with the agile movement or, or, or business agility as a movement. We've been working for 10 years to try and build teams where leaders trust their people, where people have agency, where they have bounded autonomy and they, they can, they're not being watched the whole time to see if they're doing the right thing because uh, they've been, the, the environment has been set up so that they can be successful and, and, and can drive towards the outcome. They've, they've got that sense of autonomy and also directional alignment. Uh, it's really not fair to expect your people to sit in meetings on Zoom or Teams or whatever the tooling you're using all day. It's um, you'd well know that the the cognitive uh, impacts of a session over virtual collaboration are, are far more significant than a face to face meeting. And secondly, it's the least productive time of time of your day when you're sitting on VC. It's uh, you've got half the people listening to you, half of them are tuning out a little bit. Lots of distractions. It's hard to stay engaged. You're not getting the um, the body language signals or any of the normal feedback loops that your your mind expects. It's it's tough and it's unproductive. So yeah, we we want to help organisations fix that problem. Yeah, and uh, I I don't feel this is only an organisational issue. I think it's both ways because. I feel that at some point we as individuals are also responsible to understand that we need time off and that uh, maybe the next promotion or the we don't get the right, the, the full visibility every single time, but we don't have to be on video just to prove that we are better than our coworkers because we are there every single time. Because that, that leads to burnout and at some point there's so much an organization can do, right? There needs to be a bit of a balance from both, uh, from both sides. Oh, 100%. Yep. Yeah. So, um, tell me a bit, what kind of industries did you work for? And when you say delivery teams, are you mostly talking about software development, uh, companies or it's wider? Yeah. So look, my earliest experiences were in digital teams. So building websites back when building websites was difficult. Um, it's pretty easy nowadays. I think we got the, we used Webflow. We got up, got our website up in about 15 minutes. It's great. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was sort of building CMS systems back in the nineties and early two thousands. Uh, then I worked on a massive telecoms transformation and a massive banking transformation. Um, look, oh, since then, as a, like, as a consultant, you kind of work in lots of different industries. So I've, I've done travel, I've done tourism, I've done wealth, I've done financial services, I've done uh, 
media, like there, there wouldn't be too. Uh, I've done yeah, travel like airlines. There wouldn't be too many industries that I haven't touched over the last ten years. Agile obviously comes out of the software development space, but there's been a lot of there's been a lot of work done in Agile uh, to make it fit for purpose for operational teams and for other parts of the business, and that's something I'm pretty passionate about as well. I kind of think um, when you think about organisations, uh, they have this two-speed economy by design. You've got the operational expenditure in the organization that everyone's quite worried about because OPEX goes off EBIT and executives are usually rammed on and, and rewarded on EBIT, uh, EBIT, EBIT or EBIT Numbers. dust. Yeah, yeah. But then you've got CapEx, which is kind of funny money, right? Like you, you spend the CapEx, you depreciate it over a period of time. It's someone else's problem in the future. So CapEx teams, I think, have been looked after. Like IT teams that are building capital assets for organisations, they get lots of training. They get lots of help with ways of working. Um, there's, they're paid well. Uh, and there's not that real focus on ripping the waste out and leaning it out and cutting heads and, and that kind of thing. Whereas the operational teams, they just don't get a whole lot of love. So one of the things that we specifically did with Remote AF was look at how do you make remote operations teams effective as well. So they're the, the teams that are custodians for revenue that uh, make sure that customer requests get fulfilled uh, and, and, and keep the business running. Let's stick a bit with agility. When you talk about agility, what's your view on it? Sure, I suppose it's evolved over the years. So, um, as a as a software engineer, my first uh, my first experience with agility was with extreme product programming way back in should be two thousand two two thousand and three. Um, I learned about the Scrum framework on a government program when we when we were trying to build a grants management system. Uh, I learned about the scaled agile framework in pretty early days uh, when that was, I think, version two or version three. Um, I became a safe program consultant and I thought that was the first time that someone had looked holistically at the technology portfolio and how to deliver large programs. And look, safe has its critics, but it still was an improvement on what was out there. Uh, I spent some time in probably 2014, 15, 16, learning about the Kanban method, which I think is a wonderful way to look at fit for purpose systems and really look across an organization at how you improve things, both in operational teams, in management teams, and also in your product teams. And probably more recently, I've been interested in uh, how do you what what are the what what is an what does agility look like from an organizational perspective so what adaptive leadership adaptive funding models um, adaptive measurement adaptive governance uh, all, all the things that sort of surround the system that have been constraints to uh, agile adoption when we've tried to do it from the bottom up do you think agile is for everyone or there uh, are limitations uh, look, uh, I think that different frameworks fit different contexts better. So I would never tell a marketing team to roll out Scrum because a lot of work in a marketing team is 
largely demand responsive. Um, but I would tell uh, I would tell a marketing team to have a look at the systems thinking approach to implementing Kanban or static, and really think about their system of work and build a uh, build an evolutionary approach that has that continuous improvement loop in it. So to, to me, the, the core principles of Agile are um, time boxing, so work in short cycles so that you can learn more effectively, slice the work smaller so that it moves through the system faster and, and you can get feedback from, from getting it out to customers quicker and continuously inspect the system and, and try and improve it through experimentation. I think if you're doing that, that works everywhere. Um, and it's the, I suppose they're the building blocks of agility, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not religious about this stuff at all. Though. I don't really care what framework you use. It's they're, they're all, they're all useful in context. For, for sure. And uh, I think this is what the remote first companies are actually preaching for, whether they call it agile or, or not. Right. Get it out there, get it out fast, uh, try to see if there's any mistake, iterate, and then go back and, and do a better job. Yeah, I, th- I think what the organizations that we work with, and we work with 40 or 50 organizations at Elaborate, the ones that were doing agile well, remote working was easy for. Like they just slipped into remote working. Um, I still think that there's work to do for those organizations in terms of like the constraints have changed. So you no longer, you don't have the constraints of space. You don't have the, as, as kind of as much time constraint with a remote workforce. So you really should think about redesigning your operating model to sit, to fit those new constraints but at the same time, they're not having nearly as much trouble as those those organisations where you've got lots of different silos and work has to go through lots of silos because within the team, the communications are pretty rich in a remote organisation. As soon as you start to span team boundaries or, or multiple teams in a value chain, you can get a bit of information loss that you, you wouldn't get if you were sitting in the same office. Yeah, for sure. So tell me a bit about the remote the remote agility framework. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll, I'll give you the, the two minute intro. Um, okay. So so basically, look, it's it's a it's a modular framework that enables organisations to uh, to explore the way that they're working and adapt it to a new set of constraints. So we have patterns for helping your remote teams become high-performance teams by thinking about the system of work that they have and by building empathy for their peers and their situation in their home environments um, and also by redesigning the events. I think a lot of people have kind of gone, all right, we're we're remote now. We can still do the stand-up and we're going to do it exactly the same as we always did the stand-up or we're going to do our daily status meeting exactly the same as we always did our daily status meeting. We don't need to do that remote. We've got asynchronous options. We've got synchronous options. There's digital whiteboards that you can use. There's lots of fun things that you can do. There's there's tools everywhere. Um, So, yeah, really rethink those events. So that's part of it. Make your teams speed up the journey to high performance for your remote teams. Um, The second part of the framework is all about uh, teams of teams. So basically when you've got 
a, a group of teams that are working together to solve a problem or to it's part of a, a value chain in your organization. How do you span the boundaries of, of those teams really well? So we, we've got patterns for planning effectively. So taking strategy and decomposing it across multiple teams. Um, we've got patterns for remote operating model design. So really rethinking the way that you organize to deliver value um, in the remote context, uh, carefully designing the teams, carefully designing the interactions between the teams. Uh, and we've got patterns for launching teams of teams if you're starting a new program of work or if you've um, got a regulatory change that you have to do or, or something like that. And then finally, we've got patterns for the enterprise. So uh, we've got patterns for uh, tackling strategy in the remote context, um, both building a view of the ecosystem that you operate and, and your landscape and looking at movement and where you should apply attention. Uh, we've got patterns for, for taking strategy into delivery through the objectives and key results framework from Google, um, OKRs, mm -hmm. uh, but we've got some nice kind of tools and templates and patterns that make that easy. Um, we've got approaches for remote leadership uh, and also for governing remote organisations. So adjusting your, your governance frameworks so that you have, uh, I suppose, you're, you can distribute autonomy without losing control and alignment. So when you and say kind of patents, are these for the various templates that you have created? And what are, do the templates do if they are templates? Yeah, so it's, there's a lot of canvases. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's method guides. There's canvases. There's instructions. There's uh, there's training. Um, we've got a, a whole training program around how to make teams more effective and how to how to do some of the more advanced things. Um, it's, it's basically uh, it's our IP wrapped up in a nice little bundle that other people can use to make their organizations or organizations that they uh, consult to or um, independently contract to more effective. And yeah, we've, uh, we've launched our early adopter program as of, I think we'd, we've got the kickoff meeting tonight. So uh, we've got 18 very senior people, including three people who've written books on remote working, uh, some pretty senior members of both the complexity and the agile com communities, um, some people who run significant consultancies, uh, both in Australia. I think we, we've got eight countries on board. Um, for, so for an organisation that's literally, we, we signed the papers to incorporate about three weeks ago. It's pretty exciting. Do you have customers who have already adopted the framework? Yes. Uh, so we're working with a couple, uh, three organisations in Australia. Mm -hmm. um, one of them, a global organisation. So a, a healthcare provider that spans multiple countries is using remote AF in their global digital transformation. Um, we've got a medium digital enterprise in Melbourne that's using, uh, actually we've got uh, one telecom and one digital enterprise in Melbourne that are using the, uh, the team level and the planning concepts from the team of teams level to take uh, that kind of come out of their, their annual financial year strategy and they're trying to work out how to take things into their teams so they're using those components and we've got a small uh, environmental management systems organization that uh, we use the leadership stuff with to work with their 
product leadership on really um, getting a, a better sense of what they should be taking into delivery. Would you be okay without giving names or even sharing the industry so we keep this as yeah blank as, as possible, but to really give an example of how you maybe took one of your clients through all of the phases, right? To explore, to adapt, to think about their teams, to think about their enterprise. Yeah, sure. Okay. So a uh, primary example of that is a, a digital company, be about 150 people in uh, well, they were based in the Melbourne CBD. Um, now they're based everywhere um, and, and they're rethinking what their office is going to look like in the future. They, uh, they came out of strategy. They had three fairly significant strategic pieces that were outside of BAU that they needed to get into the teams. Um, they're, they're an organisation that's really optimised for run so what they do quite effectively, they've got an outsourced software plat- platform that kind of handles a lot of the uh, more more complex transactional elements of what they do. Um, so they, they've got a sales team, a marketing team, they've got some platform operations teams and technical people, some data science people, uh, and, and then a bunch of customer service people that deal with different levels of customers, um, plus some compliance and, and that kind of thing. Uh, a lot of those pieces of work that they were trying to do spanned multiple uh, functional teams within the organisation. So what we did with the strategy was we used our all-hands planning template. We basically got them to go through the strategic pillars and run small inceptions using remote AF canvases to try and understand exactly what needed to be done for that piece of work to the level where you could plan it effectively. And then we use the all hands planning approach to bring all the different teams together. It looks fantastic. I've got a video of it somewhere where you can kind of see all the teams interacting with this digital whiteboard at the moment and basically bringing their plans into a central plan so that we could start to look at resource contention or um, people where people were overloaded, where there was excess capacity and start basically sequencing the work. So that all happened over about a two-week period. Uh, the teams that were required, so there's, they're not um, they're not full-time teams in this concept, uh, context. They're pseudo teams that are built around those strategic things, pulling from different parts of the organisation. But we've we've been launching those pseudo teams using the team launch canvas um, and and getting them straight into a, a working rhythm with uh, Kanban systems and. Uh, and uh, and also the uh, virtual abaya, which is kind of like the central information source that everyone can see and, and, and refer to for progress and that kind of thing. So yeah, I'm hoping to have a I had a chat to the CEO of that organisation a couple of weeks ago. I'm hoping to have a really nice case study and testimonial available for that in the short term. So. Very happy. If I understand correctly, what the first bit did, so the, the two weeks, you first two weeks, you basically started to reduce the strategic planning process complexity with the kind of tools that they use from remote the, the remote agility framework. Yep. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, we need to take some big, hairy problems and turn them into actionable plans, um, slice them into... Uh, iterative chunks of value that could then go into the delivery process. And some of that was technology work. Some of that was 
uh, campaign work. So um, kind of a they're, they're a pretty data-centric organisation, so sort of digital campaigns backed by data science. Part of it was uh, customer uh, messaging and 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 there's also a, a fairly significant platform uplift piece. What's a virtual buyer? Uh, okay, so we've used um, there's a concept from Toyota called a buyer, mm-hmm. um, which means room in Japanese, uh, and I think a lot of people in the agile community refer to a buyer rooms, which is a room room. Um, which sounds a bit silly, but uh, yeah, we've used uh, we've used Abaya Rooms or Room Rooms for several years now, both in running our consultancy. So there's a Abaya Room in our old uh, Brisbane office, which we've now moved out of. There's an Abaya Room in our Sydney office, and one in, in the Melbourne office. And basically, what it has is all the information that you need, so that when you've got complex decisions to make, uh, you can quickly look and uh, and you can see everything that is at play when you're making that decision. I think personally, I think the value in the Abaya room is actually in keeping it up to date because it forces you to really sit with the information and, and represent it in a clear and concise way. So as a leader, I found it as a powerful mechanism. We also use it on change programs. So when we've, we've got an organisation that's looking to adopt Agile at scale, it's nice to have somewhere where which shows kind of where the program is at, uh, where different teams are at and and kind of talk about the why uh, and, and the roadmap for change and, and those kind of things so that people can sort of sit in there and feel that, uh, feel a sense of that progress. So that's the, that's the physical ver- version. Um, the virtual abaya is uh, basically a digital version of that. And we've spent a lot of time thinking about, what uh, what is the information that you need to surface at a team of teams level? So for, for a program or for a uh, or for a department or for for a uh, for a business process um, or a customer journey, and then what is the enterprise level information that you need to surface for executives? Uh, and we've kind of got nice uh, fancy looking templates that uh, that people can use as a starting point for those. When you build the canvases and the templates, did you use any known theories or methodologies or other frameworks? Uh, we've drawn from so much in this framework. We're really standing on the shoulders of giants. I could talk about this all day, but let, I'll, I'll go through a little bit of it. Um, so at the team level, there's some uh, references to organisation relationship systems coaching or ORSC. Uh, we've got Kanban method. We've got uh, some Scrum. We've got uh, the static approach. We've got some. Uh, we've we've got really leaned into some things out of the psychology community around how do you build empathy for teammates and how do you kind of create craft purposes that that give teams a sense of identity. Um, we. Yeah, there's yeah, it's a lot of different stuff that we've pulled in at, at the team of teams level. We've we've looked at portfolio Kanban, we've looked at big room planning, we've looked at uh, a whole range of stuff from the complexity field. Um, we've looked at uh, kind of scaffolding as a concept from Kinefin. 
uh, borrowed heavily. Like she, I'm not sure that I think we we kind of came to some similar conclusions to the to Matt and Manuel from Team Topologies around what are the important things in operating model design. When I when I read their book, I was like, oh, all right, this lines up really well with what we're trying to do. Um, and I've I've also borrowed from some from some conversations with a lot of people that I've been having lately. Um, Dave Snowden, Jay Bloom, Matt and Manuel. Uh, we ha- we've had a chat to Esther Darby, um, uh, Jay Allen Morris, and Kirsten Clacy, who wrote the Remote Facilitators Handbook, which is a great book if you if you're facilitating in the remote context. Um, Mark Kil- Mark Kilby, uh, Kevin Bear. Uh, who who wrote the Phoenix Project? Uh, there's a whole bunch of people that we've kind of um, we've learnt from. Uh, Nigel Thurlow, uh, Sonia Ligno, yeah, yeah, lots of conversations, lots of experience. I think um, I think uh, Tony was talking to David Marquette about leadership and, and some other stuff as well. So yeah, yeah, lots of really deep theory base. Um, I'm a bit of a nerd. Uh, <laughs> But this is quite complex work. So did you use the remote agility framework to make the decision of what you're going to use and why? Or what did you use? Because putting all of these things together, it's not easy. Yeah, look, I think we've we've had to do this as an organization for uh, agile adoption when we work with big customers. So if we if we're working like we, we worked across an eighty million dollar portfolio at one of the higher education uh, providers in Melbourne, and we had some amazing results. We kind of I think we halved the failure demand in the system, so that they were doing rather than doing thirty percent value demand, they were doing sixty five percent value demand or something like that. We roughly doubled the throughput. We, like, in order to do that stuff, we've had to do a lot of this anyway. Um, so this kind of felt like a really good opportunity where we could go, we'll show the world all the cool stuff that we've been doing in private um, with some pretty impressive organisations. Like we worked on what I think is the biggest global transformation at ANZ Uh we were part of Tony Ponton from the team was working with Jeff Smith very early days on the Suncorp transformation. Um, we've had people who've worked at some of some pretty amazing digital organisations that have done some really cool things. It's just kind of pulling, I don't know, f- f- combined forty or fifty years of uh, being at the forefront of agile, uh, and then adding that distributed remote aspect into it. Um, and we've certainly done a fair bit of research as part of this as well. We focused in on things like uh, when I talked earlier about kind of some of the things that we're looking to unlock, you've got a whole bunch of environmental benefits, but we also need to be aware of the environmental challenges. So it's not enough to say, all right, we're moving the workplace out of the office now. We don't have any responsibility for their environmental footprint when they're working for home. That's an abrogation of responsibility. So we're trying to think about ways that organisations can uh, can take the savings that they're making on not seating people in offices and uh, and apply those savings to sustainability solutions for employees in the home. The same with safety, the same with ergonomics, the same with uh, 
uh, we've we've spent a bit of time with an organisation here that specialises in domestic and family violence because we we've, we've done research that suggests that people who are working from home are more vulnerable than they've ever been to their abusers. So like patterns to try and help leaders to allow people to safely say that it would be better for them to work in an office or in a, in a different place or in a hub um, without having to say, look, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm at risk in this environment. Um, so, yeah, we, we really focused in on, all right, what are all the benefits and then what do we have to understand to unlock those benefits without doing further harm? How do you, because you're putting together very complex concepts and helping people go through complex decisions. How do you keep it simple for them? So they don't get lost in terminology, they don't get lost in the complexity. How do you make sure that it's simple enough for them to adopt and use forward? Yeah, look, so that's, uh, the training program is all about making some of those things simple. And the reason that we've picked the people that we have for the early adopter program is we want really experienced agile people um, who've got experience in remote environments uh, who can be those people who take the, the first cohort of people through this. And through that process, we'll probably find that there's some things that we have to simplify. I see us in, in late beta testing with some stuff. Um, so yeah, there's probably opportunities to simplify things down the track, but what we're trying to build is nice, simple, repeatable patterns that uh, that people can use that don't force them into applying a method, but they force them to sit back and think about their context and build something that works. So, for example, we're building a future perspective at the moment. We think that there's a lot of organisations that are about to go through a, a process. I might bring this up because I did promise to show you some stuff. Uh, I'll just share this screen very quickly. So I've worked with some very smart people on this. Um, it's about to be released. Uh, is that the one? That doesn't look like the one. Let's just zoom out a bit because there's a few different versions of this. Uh, here we go. So this is a Miro canvas. We've built it uh, using Jay Bloom's work as a bit of a guide. I do need to catch up with Jay and show it to him and make sure he's cool with it. But this is something that anyone will be able to use. We'll just release this on the public website for people. Uh, and the idea is that you take people through an approach to think about how they can work with their organisation to make the best of now and then to purposely evolve to a, towards a more productive, flexible, engaging, sustainable and equitable approach to work. Uh, the way that we would get them to do that is, first of all, to spend some time thinking about the current state. So if we zoom in here, we uh, get someone to facilitate a process where they go, all right, well, what's going well in terms of home life, work life, community, well-being? equitability in the workplace, safety, sustainability and risk and use that as a little bit of a focusing point to say what's the good stuff. We then ask them to project out and say, all right, if we stayed doing exactly what we're doing now, what sort of mess does that create? So are there any, uh, is, is this thing going to get 
stay the same with, with time? Is it going to get better with time or is it going to degrade with time? And a lot of the things that I'm hearing from leaders at the moment is that they're really worried about the informal networks in the organisation. Uh, they're worried about how they do performance management effectively. Uh, they're worried about onboarding and helping people to build networks, that kind of thing. So there's some of the things that might come out as you start to consider the projected miss. We then ask them to project an ideal future without constraints. So throw away any constraints that you might have. So imagine you're designing the perfect workplace that solves, that kind of keeps the good things about what we've got now, solves some of the mess, and then come in and talk more about the probable future or the plausible future. Uh, I think plausible is the term we'll end up with, um, where it's basically, all right, well, let's apply some logical constraints. So you can start to see how it's, it's a very complex way of looking at things that's simplified because Natalie is a genius at making complex concepts easy to facilitate. And that'll be one of the canvases. It's, um, it's a nice little exercise. And what we hope that people can do with that is bring their people into the conversation about what they want the workplace to look like in the future and, and kind of deliberately design it in that direct direction. So how do you make sure that you yourself look at this, review what you're doing, reiterate? And if there's uh, any mistake, yeah. change? Yeah, look, I mean, obviously an agile organisation, uh, we we drink our own champagne. Um, <laughs> so we've run all of these things. The, the Remote AF team was a mission team. We, we've run it using Remote AF's mission team uh, model. Uh, a mission team is basically a, a team that you, you launch to tackle something that's super challenging that you're not going to be able to do with all the operational constraints of the organisation. So you kind of spin it out on the side, give it an objective and, and, and let it go um, and, and make sure you're not introducing too much risk. Uh, so that mission team has been running using these things. We, we launched the team using the team launch canvas. Uh, we retrospect using some of the methods um, and we've used a whole bunch of really cool tools that we've uh, that, we, that we've adopted. We, we did a virtual escape room the other day. We, we robbed a bank together as a, as a bit of a team building exercise. Um, last week, I don't know if you've heard of Goiko Adzik's uh, impact mapping, um, but we had Dave Berry and uh, Saad Sahail from our Sydney and Melbourne teams in Elaborate running an impact mapping game for us uh, where a group of us were aliens and another group were humans. The aliens were secretly behind COVID-19 and were trying to keep the pandemic going and the humans were trying to stop the pandemic um, and we're kind of looking at war gaming using impact mapping. Very nerdy, I know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we do a lot of fun stuff and we, we're trying to push the boundaries of what, uh, what great remote teams look like so that we can share that with, uh, with with others. And look, I think the results speak for themselves. We had 80% of the framework built in about two and a half months. Um, we've now uh, gone to market with it. We've got an amazing cohort to start with who are going to teach us, learn from us and teach us and, and, Really, uh, they're 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 a good confrontational, argumentative bunch who are going to help us to make this thing better. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to the next little while and uh, making it better. And by the way, what uh, do these uh, adopters or early adopters get? So if they go through the program with you, 
what's the result of that? They have access to the templates and the canvases and the way of thinking, and they can apply them to their customers, or how do you support them? Yeah, so we've got two two uh, two types. So there's the ones who want to use this with in their organisations. Um, we've got uh, one person who's the head of people and culture for a really big retailer in Australia who wants to look at how to roll this out in his organisation. Uh, we've got uh, Jay Allen and, and Kirsten over in South Africa who are looking to they they gun remote facilitators uh, who are looking to uh, make agility work in remote organizations so they'll be using it with their customers um, we've got several people one from uh, central europe one from uh oh, i can't remember the the other geography uh who are looking to um to train this so they're looking to do the training with us help their customers using it but they also want to train other people in it um and then eventually we'll probably start talking to some services service providers. So obviously elaborates using this as part of what we do as a business. Um, but I've I've deliberately made this arm's length from elaborate so that uh, we can sign up other organisations that want to use our ideas to help their customers change because this is all about impact for us. It's um, how do we scale out the impact as as big as we can? Uh, we don't have a lot of time with climate change. Um, and, I, and I actually think that remote working is a feasible and uh, particularly in this climate, um, it, it's it, it's a very plausible way to, to make a big difference. It could be, it might just be for sure. I mean, if you, if you look at uh, what has happened to nature in the past months, when we were all in, in uh, home in, inside, uh, it's kind of amazing. Yes. For- yeah. We had a we had a seal in the Yarra today. Uh, it's, uh, I always refer to the Himalayas being visible from Kathmandu from the, for the first time in living memory. Mm-hmm. What have, what have you seen over there? And look, it, that stuff's pretty critical. Uh, I've got a mate who's in um, apex predator con- conservation. Uh, the one that's got me the most scared is he, he told me that. Uh, for the first time in 300,000 years of evolutionary history, shark species have started interbreeding. So if they've been around as the apex predator for that long and been pretty comfortable where they're, they're at, and all of a sudden they've got to breed with other species of sharks to try and adapt to something that's coming, uh, I, I think it's a high, it's high time that we act. For those that want to reach out to you, either to learn more about uh, the remote agility framework or to start being to being part of your trainings and use this in their organizations, how can they reach out, uh, Andrew? Yeah, so the website is www.remoteaf.co or remoteagilityframework.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, or, or on Twitter. Uh, my LinkedIn handle, I think, is Andrew J. Blaine, B-L-A-I-N. My Twitter handle is A.J. Blaine, again, B-L-A-I-N. Um, like the magician, right? Yeah. No, he's B. L. Oh, he is. Yeah, maybe he is. Um, yeah, he's far more talented <laughs> than me, though. Uh, so yeah, I think he might have an E on the end from memory, but yeah, if you, uh, if you reach out, um, we'll put, put you in touch with the right people. Uh, and yeah, look, let's, um, 
let's let's create a, a remote first world together. It's been an absolute uh, privilege to be on this show because I know that you've been pushing the same sort of ideas for some time and, yeah, that's very cool. Yes, I love remote work as well. There's an opportunity here to build high trust environments where you don't have to be sitting on VC yep. to prove that you're working. Yeah. Um, and we are seeing significant productivity benefits. Most of the organisations that we work with who are recording the difference between uh, on-premises and remote work are finding sort of 12 to 20% productivity benefits. Um, so if, if the cost out from getting out of the corporate real estate isn't enough for you and the productivity benefits aren't enough for you, then think about the other amazing benefits, the sustainability, the uh, the, the sort of moving away from uh, really hard borders between people as well. Plus it's a, it's a the m- increase in empathy, trust, autonomy that I think is very important as well. Oh, critical. Yeah. 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 The human as- aspects here, that, that's, what, that's what we want. We want high-performance teams that who are trusted by their leaders and do amazing work. Yeah. And, and they can do it from anywhere. Andrew, thank you so much for today. It's been a pleasure as always talking with you. No, thank you, Yuli. It's, uh, it's been very cool. Um, love talking to people across time zones. It's uh, always good to see people in, starting their day when you're about to finish yours. <laughs> Next time we have a glass of wine together. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Hey, take care and uh, good luck with the training that you have uh, upcoming right now. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it.